Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. I love you all. I'm so excited to just dive into our Romans um, series this morning. So we... If you missed um, the first part of it, we covered chapters one through eight back in um, in the spring and into the beginning parts of the summer. Uh, Romans is one of my very favorite books of the Bible, and I want to encourage you. It is a, a powerful book um, to help you grow in your faith and truly understand the love of Jesus Christ and what he came for and just how righteous and good he is and how merciful he is. So I want to encourage you, go back and listen to those sermons where we covered chapters one through eight. I want you to... Um, just encourage you to pick back up the book and, and continue to read as we continue this series. Read the book of Romans, study it, um, be in the word. It'll change your life. Um, but Paul wrote the book of Romans and um, the theme of the book is God judges sin, but he manifests mercy through Jesus. And that is our good news. And the first three chapters talk about God's righteousness Chapters four through eight talk about God's righteousness creates a new way of living. And chapters nine through 11, which is where we're picking it up today, uh, God's righteousness creates a new way of life that fulfills God's promise to Israel. So if you know anything about the history of Israel and the history of Jews, we know that God um, said they are my chosen people. Um, He has a purpose and a plan for them. And so we're gonna start unpacking that some today. And today specifically, we're going to focus on chapter nine, and I am not going to cover the whole thing because there is a lot of depth in here. I would not do it justice to cover all of it today, Um, but what today I'm going to focus on is Paul's heart. So in chapter eight of Romans, he talks about how when you are in Christ, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you make him Lord of your life, there is nothing that can separate you from his love, right? And he goes into no height nor depth. There's nothing that can separate us. And then he takes this shift in chapter nine where he shares his broken heart, and um, before I get into that, you know, I just want to say that if you know much about Israel again and the Jewish people, you may have wondered how God allowed them to miss Jesus as the Messiah. So they were looking for someone who looked more like a king, um, not Jesus, and they totally missed him as Messiah. And so I think that can cause us sometimes to question, well, what does that mean for me? If God's chosen people missed him, then what does that mean for me? Is my salvation secure of if, if they missed him? And again, Paul's going to cover all of that because these are common questions the Christian Jews and the Christian Gentiles had back in the day and still we have today. Righteousness um, is something that comes from God and what that means is God always does what's right. He always does what's right in his mind, not in our mind. We have very different views of what we think is right, um, but God always does what is right and he is faithful to keep his promises. So Romans 9, 1 through 2 is where we're going to start this morning. And Paul starts out with, As Christ is my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. 
So I want to pause there before we get to verse two. So you may be asking, why is Paul saying, having to say, with Christ is my witness, with utter truthfulness, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. It's because he's about to share something that they might think he's being a little bit dramatic over. Um, are any of you dramatic in the room ever? Uh, have you ever had a teenage daughter or been a teenage daughter or had a four-year-old daughter? Uh, um, I, have, I have had one. And Abby, um, I, I love my girl. And um, she, yes, she missed the hurricane. And praise God, she came home last Sunday night. And then we flew her back last night. But Abby would say things when she was four like, you're ruining my wife. Like she couldn't say her L's, so it's wife instead of life. You're ruining my life. You know, but, but we can tend to be a little dramatic, even when we're not four, even when we're 43 or 44. I don't know how old I am right now. I just had a birthday, but seriously, I'll figure it out later how old I am. But Paul was saying, listen, you're going to think I'm being dramatic when I say this, but I, with God as my witness and utter truthfulness, this is what's on my heart. And he goes into verse two, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people. My Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if that would save them. See, Paul is broken over unbelieving Israel who rejected Jesus as the Messiah. He was in such great grief and had so much love for the unbelieving Jews, so much that he said, I'm willing to sacrifice my salvation. I am willing to lay down my right to, to go to heaven and to spend eternity with Jesus if that would make way for salvation for the Jews. It's very reflective of um, Moses in Exodus 32, seven through eight, 30 through 32. It says, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and he said, oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. So again, we see Moses here saying, listen, God, like I know my people have messed up. They made golden calves and are worshiping them instead of you, like if I could trade their place, if you could blot me out of heaven and then forgive them, I would do that. And of course, no human can take the place of our sin and make a way for salvation except for Jesus. And he is the one who did that. But these men, Paul and Moses, were so broken over the people. At the beginning of the year, I, um, I always pray for a word and usually it's like, I mean, I can't really remember, but things like courage, 
hope, steadfastness, I don't know, like words like that. And this year, when I pray, the Lord said, your word this year is eternal. And then he gave me a scripture and he gave me Paul's words in Acts 20, 24. And it says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That was Paul's life. It was everything he lived and breathed. And the reason it was is because he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus had a heart to save everyone. He had a heart to rescue everyone. See, Paul himself was someone who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Jew himself. He hated Christians and he made it his mission in life to kill them. And he made sure that it would happen. But on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, we see where Paul, who was named Saul at the time, Jesus changed his name. But he had this encounter with the Messiah. And his life was never, ever, ever the same again. Now, some of you may say, well, Kim, um, of course Paul's heart broke for the Jews because like he had this like powerful encounter with Jesus. He had this crazy story, you know, but I don't, I don't have a crazy story. I, I've grown up in church. I've been a good girl. I've been a good guy. And like, I've just known Jesus my whole life. So my question to you is then, then what has Jesus actually done for you? Because To my knowledge, according to scripture, you couldn't save yourself. So there was at some point in your life that you had to make the decision to follow him, to surrender your life to him, to acknowledge that you needed a savior. So we all have this relationship with Jesus if you've chosen the way and you all have a powerful story. I get people saying to me all the time, well, of course, Kim, of course you, you preach and you teach and you, you know, will give your life to serving him because of what Jesus has done for you. Because you, you know, once were lost and now we're found and you have this testimony you can share with the world, not the world, Indiana, PA, I'm not that big of a deal, y'all, but um, I just think that, no, like, yes. I really love Jesus because he did what I couldn't do. He couldn't, I couldn't get rid of my shame on my own. I couldn't get rid of my sin on my own. I couldn't make it right with the people around me on my own. I I had to have a savior. Jesus set me free. He forgave me. He's made a way. But I believe that, that Paul, and I know for me, that my heart breaks for people who don't know Jesus because Jesus' heart breaks for people who don't know him. See, when I was driving Abby, um, I dropped her off at the airport last night and was driving back and I was in a rush to get here. The Saturday night service needs to listen to today's message because I felt like I was, my brain was wacky. Um, But... I was rushing to get back, but I was asking the Lord, like, what do you want, Lord? What do you want Summit Church to hear this weekend? And he said, Kim, I I want them to know that I really want their hearts to break for what breaks mine. 
I really want them, if they call themselves followers of mine, I really want them to follow my ways and I want their hearts to break for the lost in a dying world. See, Paul, Paul had this intense burden, but it was because he loved God so much and he had a heart for God and he developed a a heart like God. And I want you to understand that he wasn't praying for his friends. Like I think sometimes it's really easy for us to pray for like our mom or our dad who don't follow Jesus or our kids who aren't following Jesus. Like it's easy for our hearts to break over those situations, right? Because it's deeply personal. It's, we really care about them. But Paul was grieving for people who hated him, who made it now their mission in life to try to kill him. They imprisoned him. They kicked him out of towns he tried to go in and share the gospel with. They tried to stone him. They beat him. I mean, Paul endured significant persecution from the Pharisees and the Jewish people. Yet his heart was broken for them. And I'm wondering, have you ever felt an intense burden for someone who didn't like you? Because in all reality, right, in our nature, what we do is we go to Facebook or Instagram or whatever and post how we were wronged by such and such individual. And can I just say... That what if you prayed for them? (laughs) What if your heart began to break for them and and break for how lost they are, how broken they are? Maybe they proclaim to be a Christian, and I'm sorry for that. I have no excuses. They'll be held accountable to God for that. But what I'm saying is, is that what if, what if we begin to have this intense burden for people who don't know Jesus? Because what Paul knew and I know from reading scripture is there is an eternal heaven and there is an eternal hell. There is eternal punishment for people who do not choose relationship with Jesus to follow the way of Christ. And we don't like to hear that. We don't want to stay there and talk about hell for very long because that makes us really uncomfortable. <laughs> like we don't want that picture. We don't want to think about someone being punished for all eternity. And it'll be beyond what we could ever imagine with our finite minds. But on the flip side, there is a heaven where there will be no more weeping, there will be no more sadness, there will be no more suffering. See, I, at the beginning of the year, Mel and I went and spoke with a church who was a different denomination than ours and a very different denomination, but they, they were di- the church was dying and they were asking us, um, you know, could we potentially have a partnership with Summit? Um, they've just known you know, what God's doing here. And um, their fill-in pastor was there, and um, he was in his upper 80s, and he'd given his life to ministry and to serve the church. And we were meeting with him and the board, and um, at one point he said, you know, um, I, we believe, we believe the same, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, 
but we also believe very differently and that I believe that there is no hell and that hell will be empty. And his board looked like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what are we doing then? And that's kind of my feeling. And it's like, if we, we don't make ourselves uncomfortable by realizing there are two spiritual worlds, there's a very dark one and there is a very bright one, right? And if we don't get the weight of eternity in our lives, if we don't get that weight that life is but a breath, and I know those of you who have lost people unexpectedly get that. Like I feel it more so right now than I have in a long time, just losing my dad so unexpectedly in July. That's why at his funeral, I got up and I talked because I wanted to make sure people knew him, knew Jesus. Knew, they knew my dad, but knew Jesus See, Paul's intense burden was for people that needed to know the hope of Jesus Christ, and it was for people who hated him. Charles Spurgeon, he's a dead theologian. So he said this, I didn't, so don't get mad at me if you really love your animals, okay? It's just prefacing it. <laughs> he says, get love for the souls of men. They, then you will not be whining about a dead dog or a sick cat or about the crotchets of a family and the little disturbances that John and Mary may make by their idle talk. You will be delivered from petty worries. I need not further describe them. If you are concerned about the souls of men, get your soul full of a great grief and your little griefs will be driven out. See, I'm wondering when the last time is that you grieved over the 85,000 who call Indiana County their home that don't know Jesus. The reason I know that maybe some, most of them say they have a religious affiliation, but they don't actually live out their faith or go to church and aren't in godly community is because we are the largest auditorium, church auditorium in this city. We have about 1,200 people on a weekend who come in and worship. That's far from 85,000. If you even added up all of the churches in our county and in Blairsville and even in Johnstown, we would not have enough space if we had all of these people come to know him. That's how I know that we have work to do. That's how I know that we have people that are lost and need a hope of a savior. When was the last time that your heart truly broke and you grieved? And I'm not just talking about putting it on a prayer list, but that you sat and you had that weight and that you prayed for the saving of souls. Matthew 20, 12, 29 to 31 says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and to love others as ourselves. See, Paul knew that the Jews had this promise. Romans 9, 4 through 5, it says they are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and he gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
So Paul here is sharing what the Israelite people mean to God. They are his chosen people. He, he revealed his manifest glory to them. When they were in the wilderness, they got to see his physical glory, the glory cloud. They got to see these things. They got to see the Red Sea split wide open so that they could walk through. They got to see manna literally fall from heaven to feed them. They got to see the quails when they were complaining about not having meat and had more meat and then got sick over it. You know, it's, they got to see these things. He revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them. He made promises to them. They have a spiritual legacy, but yet they missed the Messiah. And I'm just wondering, can we be like this? See, we can so easily cling to what we know about God. And maybe you say, Kim, I was raised in church. I come because it's what I've always done. That's good. It's a good thing to come to church. I want you here. But I'm wondering if you've missed the Messiah. See, so often I'll have conversations with people who I know have truly been changed by Jesus. But they'll so often say things like, Kim Summit has changed my life. And I'm like, man, that makes me feel good as your pastor, that Summit's changed your life. But I'm hoping it's really Jesus. Because we're going to disappoint you at some point. See, we can cling to our denomination. I ask so many different people, oh, do you go to church? Well, yeah, I, I, I go to um, yeah, that, that church, you know, um, in uh, Creekside. And, uh, man, I grew up there, but, like, you can't remember the name? <laughs> or, well, yeah, I'm Catholic. I'm Lutheran. I'm Assembly of God. I'm Baptist. Like we go by our religious affiliation, but my question is, no, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, are you a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? You know, we can cling to the faith of our mom or our grandma and students, your, your, the faith of your grandma and your mom or your dad, they can't save you. You choose, you choose that relationship with him. See, the Christian Jews that were listening to Paul and were reading his letters were wondering how the rest of their Jewish people were going to be saved. There was promise for them and, and the Christian Gentiles who were non-Jews were wondering how they reached them too. It was just such a magnificent, like a magnitude of, of people that were missing the Messiah. And Paul goes into all of that. I'm not going to read all of that today, but I will touch on Romans 9, 6 through 7. It says, well, then has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, not for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. So he uses these next few verses to explain that God's promise has not failed. His promise is sure, it is true, and there is hope for Israel. So I'm going to say that to you all. There is hope for Israel still today. Being born an Israelite or a descendant of Abraham saves no one. Your church affiliation does not save you. A personal relationship with Jesus is what saves you. You must accept him as Lord of your life. Tim Keller says, though they were the chosen people, they began to think they were the choice people. They became confident that they were in, no matter how they lived. 
simply because they were Abraham's physical descendants. So how are we like this? Again, it's so easy to become like this, that we just think we're automatically in, that our eternity is secure because we check off all the boxes. In verses 10 through 13, Paul gives an example of Jacob and Esau and how in verse 13 that God says that he loves Jacob more than Esau. And the thing that's confusing about this is Jacob was a liar. <laughs> he stole his brother's birthright, but yet, and God knew this was gonna happen, but before they were even born, they told his mom, Rebecca, hey, I'm gonna, the, the latter will reign over the former, that the first one, like, the last shall be first, like Jacob is going to get, you know, everything I've promised. And so it's really confusing. It's like, why would God choose Jacob over Esau when he stole his brother's birthright? But the thing is, we can't possibly understand everything about God. I, I don't want to serve a God that I understand everything because that would make him more human. And I don't even understand everything about humans. I don't even understand everything about my husband. <laughs> Still figuring him out. So I certainly don't want to serve a God that I can figure out. But what we know is that God is good and he is sovereign. And he sees the beginning from the end. He sees it all. He sees a picture that we can't possibly see. See, promise is more important than natural relation. God chose, joke, God chose Jacob to be the heir of God's covenant of salvation instead of Esau, and it wasn't based on their performance. And this is where we get hung up. We think, well, my salvation is based on performance. And Paul says here that it, it wasn't by their works, but according to God's call and God's purpose and and just a side note, Esau was a very blessed man. He was a very blessed man. In the next few verses, Paul gets into what we call the doctrine of election. And I'm not going to go there today because I do not have the time nor the, um, you know, yeah, the space to be able to do that today. It's a lot. So Mel's going to be covering more of that. But I won't stay here long. But here's some things about God that we will never fully understand. John R. Stott says, if, if anybody is lost, the blame is theirs. But if anybody is saved, the credit is God's. The antinomy contains a mystery which our present knowledge cannot solve, but is consistent with scripture, history, and experience. See, we come from a, a line of faith that believes that we have a choice to choose Jesus or not. There are some um, lines of faith that believe that God selects everyone that will be saved, and, and there's really no choice um, about it. But we believe that we get a choice. We have trouble understanding why would God allow suffering and why would God allow things and why would he, you know, do things that don't make sense in our human minds. But in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says his thoughts aren't like our thoughts. His ways aren't like our ways. They are higher. Thank God they are. <laughs> Thank God they are higher. Romans 9, 14 through 16 he goes on to say, are we saying then that God was unfair? Talking about Jacob and Esau. Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. 
So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. See, I think so often for me personally, I tried to work my way to his mercy. I tried to work my way to his grace and it just left me striving and exhausted and I couldn't do it. If you've been able to do that, I I can't even explain it. You haven't because it's impossible. So here um, he's quoting Exodus 33, 19, and, and Paul begins to continue on and gets into Pharaoh's heart and heart and how he used it to free Israel. And we can get into questions again, like, why does God allow suffering? Like, why did he choose to harden Pharaoh's heart so that his people would go free? I mean, why does he do what he does And we begin to say things like, well, why didn't he do this? Or why didn't he do that? And certainly people who don't follow him are asking us those questions. And we begin to question the goodness of God, and that's somewhat normal. But what I want to challenge you with today is if someone begins to ask you those questions, instead of answering with, with a phrase like, well, because he's God, which is true, but... People don't really need more than that. We go back to the goodness of God. We go back to the mercy and the grace of God. And we see in Romans chapter 1 and 2, especially chapter 1, where we talk about how God, (laughs) if it weren't for Jesus, and we were turned over to all of our wants and all of our desires and all of our sin desires, because all of us have them. We were born with a sin nature. If, we were, if God just turned us over to that and there was no option for mercy and there was no option for grace, could you imagine the world? I mean, it's already ugly now, right? But could you imagine if there were no grace or mercy if God was just like, I'm turning the whole world over to their sin nature with no option for salvation. I mean, I can't even wrap my mind around that. So if we were left to our own will and devices, we'd be a disaster and we deserve to be left to our own devices. We deserve to be left to self-destruction, but instead, when we choose relationship with Jesus, when we decide he is God and I am not, when we decide that we wanna become a follower of the way of Christ and that we need him and we receive grace and we receive mercy. See, remember, mercy is not getting what we deserve. That is mercy. I deserved so much, but I got so much mercy when I surrendered my life. See, God's mercy isn't our right. We demand him for it, but yet we don't want to surrender. God, I want your grace, but I don't want to follow you. God, I want your mercy, but I don't want to give my life to you. I want all your benefits, but I don't want to do what you say. See, it's not his obligation to give it to us. It is a gift freely given. Paul continues on in verses 14 uh, through 29 and just talks about the sovereignty of God and how God is sovereign. He is good. His promises are true. But if God is sovereign, does it mean that we aren't responsible? No. 
We have a responsibility to choose a relationship with Jesus and to live a life that follows him, and so does every person in humanity. So I'm going to begin to wrap it up with this. How many of you are like rule followers in the room? Really? There's not more of you. Come on. Okay, you're all rule breakers then. Um, I am a rule follower. Gives me anxiety not to follow the rules or directions. Um, It always has, and believe me, I've broken plenty of rules. But um, I, I get really uptight, and my younger daughter is a little bit the same. And so... I, um, you know, I can be told I'm not really willing to have fun because I don't break the rules. And for instance, I'm such a rule follower that in um, 2019, I took a team from here to Ireland and we went to the Cliffs of Moher, which is just one of the most breathtaking things you'll ever see in your whole life. I've been there a few times and it's just stunning. One, I'm afraid of heights. But two, there is this sign at when you get closer to the cliff, the edge, there's this sign, and um, it's a big, bright yellow sign, like one you cannot miss. And it has this man falling to his death. Like, if you go beyond this point, you could die. But, of course, hundreds of people are beyond the yellow sign because they want a selfie by the cliff. And I thought, my team will follow the rules. Most of us, they were all adults. Most of some of them in their 70s. They'll follow the rules. They have families back home. They don't want to die, but no. Here I am standing there, and I look up, and about half of our team is standing on the edge of the cliffs taking their selfies, like 70-year-olds taking selfies. Not just, this isn't just like 16-year-olds. No, we're talking pure adults. They were like, I don't care. I want a selfie. I want to show people where I was. I'm never coming back to Ireland again. And I was thinking, you may never go back to the U.S. again. Like, I am going to call your family members, and I'm going to have to tell them, I'm sorry. They didn't get persecuted. They didn't, like, die doing ministry. They died taking a selfie. And I'm worked up, like I really was. They haven't really ever seen me upset. And I was like, they're not breaking the rules. So that's all, you know, fun and games. And I just talk about like, I can be a rule follower. I can easily be like, okay, step one, read the Bible. Step two, go to church. Step three, be in a small group. Step four, give. Step five, only have Christian friends. Like I can, I can follow all the rules and check all the boxes, but at the end of the day, if I had, don't have a surrendered heart towards Jesus Christ, if I'm not truly following the ways, but I'm just, I'm following his way, but I'm not following, um, I'm not following him and I'm not pursuing him and I'm not allowing him to check sin in my heart, but I'm checking all the boxes, then I'm still lost. See, that's what the Jewish people did. They remembered the God of their forefathers. They checked all the religious boxes, but they had hate in their heart. They were so busy. They were so focused on following all the rules and following all the laws that we see here in Romans 9, 30, 33. 
He says, what does this all mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God, but keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. See, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, attained faith and right standing with God by acknowledging Jesus as Messiah and surrendering their lives to him. They didn't work their way to salvation. They accepted Jesus as their savior and they followed him and they followed his ways. They followed the convictions he put in their heart. Israel pursued right standing with God by works. Is it bad if you follow the rules? Absolutely not. But it's all about the heart. Scripture says that so much. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. See, because when we follow the rules to earn salvation, it's about us. When we follow the ways of Jesus and surrender our lives to him, we realize that salvation has nothing to do with us. And it's a gift of grace from him. See, I like to think where it talks about They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall, but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. I have a gift of focus. Like I've taken the strengths finders test and it's one of my gifts. It's also a weakness and that when I get really focused, I can turn out literally the whole room. (laughs) So my girls will have to like, come up to me and like put their hand on my shoulder, like to get me to break out of my focused zone. That's why I can go to commonplace and work because I can literally zone out the whole room. So if you've seen me in there and I haven't noticed you, it's because I'm in focus mode. Just come put your hand on my shoulder or say, hey, Kim, really loudly in my ear. I don't know. But the other day we were in the office and Steph and I share an office and um, Gil was in there and he was talking to me, but I did not hear him. I was so focused and he could not believe that I did not hear him. He thought I was kidding. So Steph was like, I'll prove to you she's not joking. Like they're telling me they said all of this because I did not hear a peep. And so in our office is not big. And so she came over to me and she's like, see, she doesn't hear you. Like I had no smirk, like I was in the zone. So when I imagine the Jewish people, they were focused on who they thought the Messiah was going to be. They were focused on earning their way to heaven and they were just going through the laws. And then Jesus the Messiah enters the picture and they literally stumble over him and miss him completely. See, it's so easy for us to do the same thing when we're laser focused on what we want or how we think God should um, supply our needs and what 
what we think the way of salvation should be and that we can live our lives however we want and, and still and still follow him? See, what do you think he feels? He, he must feel so much grief and sadness and brokenheartedness. See, he has so much more for us. He has so much more for the Jewish people. And we're going to see his plan of redemption for them. But, but let's focus on us today. Let's look at our own hearts today. Hey, Blairsville, I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored to be your pastor. You guys have a great day. For those of us in the room, and maybe you're joining us online today, you know, I just would love for you to just bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to to speak to our hearts right now, because this is a weighty message, and it comes with responsibility. So every ear in this room, every person that is listening, you have a responsibility now because you've heard the truth. And so today, maybe you're in this room and you say, Kim, I've gone to church my whole life or I've claimed religious affiliation, but I've never truly surrendered my life to Jesus. I've tried to earn my way, work my way, go off of my mama's faith or my grandma's faith, but I haven't truly surrendered my life. Or maybe you say, Kim, I have no religious affiliation. I don't claim to be anything, but I know today that I want to surrender my life and follow the way of Jesus. And if that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you this morning. Or anyone in the room that would just say today, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I see you in the balcony. I see you on the right. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I see you on the left. You can put your hand down. All right, if everyone will just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I need a Savior. I cannot do this on my own. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your grace. Today I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we just celebrate with those who gave their lives to Jesus today? We had individuals of all ages, kids and older adults. And I think just nothing makes God's heart happier than that. And so if you made a decision to follow him, we want to resource you. We want to come alongside of you. Being a Christian is not a cakewalk. Um, we, you need community. And so we'd love to resource you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible today. You can let us know by texting the word Summit PA to 94,000 and then hitting the salvation prompt. You can also fill out the card in the seat back in front of you. And if you would take that to the info center, the welcome center, Gil will be over there um, as well as our info center team. And they'd love to give you a Bible and some more information. Listen, there's no shame in choosing Jesus. You just made the most important decision of your entire life. There's nothing else that will trump this. 
So let us know that you made that decision today. And for the rest of us in the room, I wanna invite you to stand this morning. We're gonna go into this song called Available. And we don't just have this last song at the end just to sing another song, but we do it to give you time to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I heard this word today. Now, what do you want me to do with it? What does this mean for me? My prayer for you today is that your heart will break for what breaks God's heart. Could you imagine if all of us began to have our heart broken for the things of God and to see the lost come to know him? Could you imagine the growth in our schools, the growth in our campuses, the growth in our workplaces, the growth in our families? See, I'm, I'll go first and I'll say, like there have been times that, that I have forgotten to pray for lost family members. There are times that I get so focused on my to-do list that I forget that there is a lost and dying world around me every day that I'm encountering. But we get to live one life, y'all. And I know we all wanna hear when we see Jesus face to face, well done, that good and faithful servant. So on our way, while we have breath in our lungs, let's make his name known to those around us. Let's worship. I love you guys.